0: Hello and welcome to Beyond Radio podcasts. This is an episode in our series The Veteran's Story, produced in conjunction with Morecambe Football Club Community Sports and the First Light Trust. In this series, local veterans recount their experiences of serving in the armed forces and life since leaving. The views expressed here are of the individual contributor. This is The Veteran's Story.
1: This is the veteran story podcast and today i'm speaking to warwick hardy uh, known as rick who's going to tell us a little bit about his story of being in the armed forces so so rick first of all just tell us a little bit about where you're from originally i know you live locally in lancaster now but where where do you originally come from
0: yeah born in newcastle or a place called benton near newcastle in 1937 my father was called up round about that time and disappeared off to to Canada where he fought his war. He thought the French Canadians were the enemy and I was bundled off, at the age of six, bundled off to Keswick to the boarding school there and there I stayed for 10 years. Got home for holidays of course but basically I was the the oldest inhabitant at Keswick School. Uh, Loved it, thought it was a wonderful place. And came back, and my father was an insurance broker on the fish dock in Hull, and I went into insurance. He got me a position in the Royal Exchange Assurance uh, on Lowgate in, in Hull, and the boss was a Colonel Whittaker Hose, <laughs> exactly as you might imagine him to be. And I used to travel up and down but of course in those days there was national service and uh, I was only a free spirit for about a year and then I was on the 11th of November 1955 I was called up for national service and loved it
1: so you'd be how old about 18 18 yeah yeah
0: yeah Yeah, I was a bit worried because I was coming up to 18 and a half and they hadn't called me and I thought no I'm not going to get in
1: so you really wanted to do it? Is that, was oh, that, when, really when, did. did that come from the fact that you, your dad yeah. had been in the forces or no, did that come from somewhere else?
0: I don't know what it came from. I just always wanted to be in the forces. And everybody said, oh, you want to go in the RAF? It's, it, it's They've got better accommodation and food. <laughs> you know, it was simple things like that that you made your mind up. I'd been in for about a year. Sewers broke upon us and everybody was you know, all the units were going out there. And I thought, this sounds like a bit of fun. I signed on for an extra year, but never went out to to Egypt at all. Instead they and they for some for reasons of of manning, they reduced the requirements, the education requirements for a commission. And I didn't have maths at O level. And so up to that point I couldn't apply. But uh, my squadron commander said, You ought to go for a commission, Hardy. So I said, Yes, sir, thank you very much. <laughs> and I had a couple of interviews with senior officers and then went off to Jerby in the Isle of Man uh, for three months um, for a commissioning course. I loved it, I it was great fun. The Isle of Man, at that time, it was full of girls the holidays the, from, the, from the factories in, in uh, Manchester and Glasgow and they all had money so they'd buy you a beer at night which was very nice as well and, uh, and enjoyed that but I decided to stay in oh, yeah, I was posted to R.F. Catrick for R.F. regiment officer training which was entirely different It was infantry training upon the Moors at Katrick. Once again, great fun, all leaping about. And from there, I was posted to number 51 squadron RAF Regiment, which was in Germany, a place called Cella, C-E-L-L-E, near Hanover. And it was an anti-aircraft squadron, and the guns were deployed around the airfield at one stage. But I was a driver and I had to haul these, we had three-tonne lorries, dragging five-tonne guns, I remember that. Which probably wouldn't be allowed nowadays, but once again, great fun. One time we were up on the Baltic at a place called Todendorf, which was Akak Range. And uh, as part of my duties, when I was duty driver, I had to drive into Cologne for the rations. And on this particular occasion, I got one loaf of bread. That was what well, I was told. That's all you can take, okay? And apparently, somebody else had taken a bulk of the rations, so that was fine. From there,
1: so I what started. rank would you have been then uh, when you when you when you were in Germany?
0: Well, I was an SAC, and then I became acting pilot officer, which was great fun.
1: So you're actually flying? Oh no, no,
0: no! It's only a. a Everybody in the air force gets a rank. A dentist can be a squadron leader. Um, it's just a rank. It, it's not a, a job description at all. It's pretty terrible. I've been diagnosed with dementia, which means my memory is shot. Basically.
1: Where did you end up eventually? I mean, what what rank did you did you get to in your career?
0: Uh, Lieutenant Colonel.
1: Right. Okay.
0: In the Sultan of Oman's army. Right. That's a different story. Right. Um, it's all connected.
1: So you would have been. So Suez would have been the fifties. The um, yeah. Isle of Man and Germany would have been the sixties. Would it have yes, been? Yes.
0: Yeah. I, I was very lucky. I was a fairly smart young fella, and the ADC to the Commander in Chief had been taken ill, and they asked me to stand in. They said only for a week. Two years later, <laughs> after a, a, a very checkered career. I'd no sooner become ADC than I was court-martialed. Right. Um, Why was that? Nothing embarrassing. It was for stealing petrol. But that was the charge. What had happened was I'd taken a staff car, which I was quite entitled to do, on base. But I wasn't. I didn't realise I wasn't supposed to go off camp with it, and I had gone to the ranges at RAF Akrotiri, because the regiment group captain was going there the next day and i was supposed to show him around and i would never been there so where was this at akrotiri cyprus oh right okay yeah it's a, the biggest air base there and it's on the south coast and uh, i was de- going down there and an idiot <laughs> a greek cypriot with a three-ton truck had been stealing sand or gravel or something and hauled up onto this road and I drove straight to it, straight. To it, didn't have a chance, going The paperwork called 658 was for camp area only. I was between camps, so I'd been, I, I was done on about six or seven charges for that and the most important one was stealing petrol. Of course was nonsense.
1: So what happened?
0: I was court martialed. Yeah. And, uh, Stood up at the court martial and they read out all these charges, you know. Not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. You know, driving off the base without the proper authority. Guilty. Because I realized then that the, the blasted paperwork wasn't proper. My recollection is I got away with the whole thing. Because it was it was a nonsense. I was ADC the commander in chief. This was a staff car, I was doing my official duty, so it, it all got sort of swept under. But I was court-martialed. And I did have to stand up in front.
1: But you carried on with your career and oh, uh, yeah. and ended up as as lieutenant colonel, which is uh,
0: well, yeah, nothing to do with the air force. I went out to and, and joined fifty one squadron, and then I heard that they were going to form a parachute squadron in the in the regiment. So I was. One of the first six officers to volunteer for it, and we went off to uh, Aldershot for airborne selection with the Red Berries. I'm very proud of that because I got something called a Pass Plus. It was a very demanding physical course, all leaping about with fifty-pound packs, and from that, I, th- I thought this airborne thing was it was great fun, and. I joined Number Two Squadron as a qualified paratrooper and went all over, with them, Aden, Cyprus, Germany, of course. We just seemed to be on a you know, a fixed circuit of, of, uh, of postings, and it was great fun. We enjoyed it immensely.
1: Did you sort of see any any action at any point? Did you did you sort of yeah. do any fighting?
0: Yeah, we were shot at in, in Aden and Northern Ireland. it was was funny on both accounts in Aden, i always carried a a rifle even though i was the boss because i figured they'd all shoot the bloke you know the bad guys the snipers were always going to go for the officer so i thought well if i'm not dressed as an officer i won't be shot which worked out perfectly but i was criticized by a captain in the grenadier guards and we were on The main road in uh, Crater is, but it was a a sniper hotspot, and we'd been fired at them. Stepped into a doorway out of the way, and this grenadier said, But you're an officer, why are you carrying a rifle? And I said, well, it confuses the snipers. They think I'm just one of the blokes, and hopefully they won't shoot me. (laughs) He thought that was funny.
1: Well, it worked. It it worked, (laughs)
0: But it was exciting, there was bullets flying everywhere in, in, uh, in Aide. So you say,
1: you say exciting, I mean I, I, I suppose some people would have thought that was terrifying.
0: Well I don't know, I, I imagine if they'd come closer it might have been. But yeah. I thought it was it sounded a bit reckless to say good fun but I never thought I was going to get hit. I think that's the joy of being young, I think it's, it's always going to hit somebody else. Oh, and from from there, we were in 1971. I remember it well. Um, we were the first unit into Belfast, and we were billeted aboard the good ship Maidstone in Belfast docks. And I had to put a detachment in. There are ten police stations in Belfast city, and I had to put a detachment in each one because someone in their written wisdom. Had disarmed the Royal Ulster Constabulary, but required them still to patrol and do the the police duties. So I had to provide an escort with each police patrol that went out, which was exciting for them. And I was checking up on them one day, you know, and uh, it was was in a built-up area, and walking up the street and. And it was quite close, but nothing desperate. So I stepped into this doorway and the door opened and I was drowned. and it was a little tiny girl and she had a grubby jam, jam jar with some dead flowers in it and I said, oh, hello, love. What are you doing? She said, these are for you, soldier, they're for your grave.
1: <laughs> How old was she have been?
0: Three, four. Oh, really? I thought, well, this is going to go on for generations, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I just smiled. What can you do?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's how she'd been brought up. Yeah, we were sent out there to protect the uh, Catholics because they were taking a hard time from the Protestants. When we got out there, the Catholics turned on us because they thought we were a Protestant army. It was just an uncomfortable time, nothing was right about
1: it out there. So what about Oman? What did you you do there?
0: All the field squadrons did a detachment out to Oman, it was either three or four months depending on And uh, I thought it was great. There were a lot of seconded British officers with the Sultan's army and a lot of mercenaries. They were called contract officers, they didn't like to be called mercenaries, that's what they were. And I thought, yeah, I'd like to be one of them. So, when my time was up in the RAF, I joined the Sultan's army, and uh, as a contract officer, (laughs) and that was great fun because there were no none of these silly rules of engagement or anything. There were the bad guys firing at you, and you were just fired back, and it was great. And I ended up. There's a lieutenant colonel in charge of one of the provinces of Oman. Militarily in charge, not, uh, you know, nothing to do with the politics out there at all. And the Musendam is the pointed bit that sticks up in, in the Persian Gulf. Was it 40 kilometers by 20? And it's no, there's no sand, there's no camels. It was just bare ass rock.
1: And do you know, when you said you were firing at people, do you know if you ever killed anybody?
0: I don't, mainly because we only had close contact like that at night when RAF Salala was right on the coast and the bad guys were firing at us from the Jebel which was six kilometers away so they moved us out in order to properly protect the airfield they moved the regiment out and we built defensive positions all around called uh, hedgehogs because they bristled with weapons. The bad guys, once they realized we could get them, they decided they're going to attack us at night. And they would come scurrying down the, uh, the waddies at, at night and take us on at close range. Um, and that, I never knew if I ever hit anybody. I always was there firing. And there was blood on the ground afterwards, but what what had caused it? I, I honestly don't know. Hopefully, it would hit him.
1: So, when did you when did you leave the forces? How old would you have been?
0: In my forties.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, probably talking. Yeah. Early eighties, maybe.
0: Yeah, I joined British Aerospace, I felt a bit of a, a, a fraud, really, because of my training in the RF Regiment. I was N- N- what they call NBC qualified, nuclear, biological, and chemical. So I knew, I knew how to put a gas mask on, basically. And BAE decided they were going to train people in all this sort of stuff. And so I was the obvious bloke. And so they gave me a title of principal engineer. I think it was <laughs> nothing about engineering. I knew all about gas masks on. So. I worked out of uh, RAF Wharton and, and visited the Middle East quite a bit. Once again, good fun.
1: So a transition to, to that life, would, I suppose because you were travelling, did you, did you find that a little bit easier, the transition from oh, yeah. back to civilian life?
0: Yes, yeah. My wife never noticed the difference, I don't think.
1: <laughs> so what would you say was the biggest benefit to you of being part of the armed forces? looking back now.
0: Yeah, the comradeship. The responsibility. You you were given full responsibility for what you what you did. You know, I had a squadron of, of blokes. It should have been hundred and twenty, but it was never more than eighty. Because they're all hand picked. They were, they were volunteer, volunteer paratroopers. And they went through rigorous selection. So we never had enough. And so it was good for the young officers as well because they had to do a lot of work and they were totally responsible for their troops. I'm just thinking we were, we did the odd deployment to Germany but that was really exercises. We went to the German air, the Brit air bases, RAF bases in Germany just for short periods of time.
1: The thing that's really sort of coming out from talking to you, Rick, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it really feels like you You really, really enjoyed your time in the armed forces.
0: Yeah, yeah I did. Um, Particularly the airborne bit, it it was great fun. The the whole unit was like-minded people. You know, nobody was there who didn't want to be there. (laughs) You know, squabbling, who could get the next jump in, you know, (laughs) and it was good fun. Thank you for listening to the veteran's story. You can subscribe to the podcasts and visit the Beyond Radio podcast page at www.beyondradio.co.uk forward slash podcasts to hear further veteran stories as they are released. For information on how the First Light Trust is helping local veterans, visit www.firstlighttrust.co.uk Beyond
1: Radio